in the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, here we are, first Sunday of Lent, and the 10th day of the worst conflict in Europe since World War II. More refugees in Europe, I think, possibly than any other time. Over a million already. Um, this is not about the war, but it is, it is to put the war in its brutal context in our world. It is one more sign of domination and destruction and sin and death. That is, of the rebellious powers that continue to act in the world. Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the anointed Savior King came to enter a war. He came to bring deliverance from all oppressors, from all rebellious powers, from the most intimate, personal, individual way to the most cosmic way. He began, if you will, with a one-on-one, right? With the evil power behind all domination, destruction, sin, and death. The one whose aim, Jesus tells us in another place, is to kill and steal and destroy. So as we, we're going to look at the temptation narrative, really just one part of it, hopefully to help us as we move uh, into and through Lent, but I want to put it in some context, in some Luke context for us that I I found significant um, looking at it this week. Um, So the temptation immediately follows in in time, right? It immediately follows Jesus' baptism. Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River, identifying with all the people of Israel in their turning to God and, and really beginning to take their sins upon himself, even in that act. Um, Luke, then Luke, uh, Matthew and Mark move straight to the temptation. Luke actually says, well, I'll I'll, I'll read it. So the end of, of the baptism, of course, has the father saying to Jesus, basically this, you belong to me. You're my beloved. You're a delight to me. I I shared that a couple months ago. So you belong, you're beloved, you're a delight. The next verse that Luke says is Jesus, when he began his ministry, was about 30 years of age. And then he goes into a genealogy that starts with his stepfather, Joseph, and goes all the way back to Adam. But first, first note of context is Luke's, Luke says Jesus began his ministry. 
Note this, sometimes we think his ministry didn't begin until after the temptation. His ministry began with the temptation. That was part of his ministry. It's an important, maybe minor thing, but it's an important thing to note. His ministry included this one-on-one, this engaging the power of evil on our behalf and on behalf of the whole creation. Secondly, the last words before Luke going into the temptation story is when he gets to the end of the, of, of the genealogy and he says, the son of Adam, the son of God. The son of Adam, the son of God. And how does the temptation start? If you are the son of God, with an attack on identity, with an attack on belonging, with an attack on delight. And Luke is tying, Luke more than the other two Gospels is tying the temptation narrative into the garden story of Adam and Eve in the garden. Matthew and Luke both both tie in with the wilderness wanderings. And that's where when Jesus quotes, you know, quotes the scripture to the devil, all of those scriptures, it's really fascinating, go back and read. Those specifically refer to sins of the people in the wilderness. When they grumbled about bread, when they tested the Lord in grumbling because they didn't have water, and when they made a golden calf, it's tied directly in with Jesus being the new deliverer, the new Moses, and, and all of that. But Luke is reminding us that this is also a new creation account. And when God began something new in the beginning of creation, Adam and Eve, his his vice regents, who were to rule the good, beautiful, flourishing creation, immediately fell through temptation. When God started over and called a whole nation out of Egypt through signs and wonders that we just heard rehearsed from Deuteronomy 26. They fell immediately in their vocation to be God's uh, royal priesthood and kingdom of priests. In Exodus chapter, that was the call. And it's as if here, Satan's like, one more time. I'm going to take down God's project one more time like I did with Adam, like I did with Israel. And of course he didn't. The devil, the accuser. Also note, Jesus was human. He's the son of Adam, the son of God. He I mean, it's, it's almost, almost comical. Like, he fasted 40 days and was hungry. It's like, no kidding. One more side note. Fasting. Fast, so Jesus chose to fast. He chose to fast 
in this initial one-on-one engagement with the power of evil, seeking to undermine God's project of new creation. He fasted. That actually made him more susceptible. That's what happens. Fasting messes you up, like in your body and in your mind. And yet, Jesus enhanced his wilderness experience less than, more than minimizing it. Point being, when we enter into fasting, has anyone had fun fasting so far this week or whatever? It, it is a way that we're actually bringing on a kind of wilderness experience without having to go out into the desert. Love to talk to you about that. That's not what the sermon's about. That's just, that's just a note. Um, so final context thing that I'm going to pick up on and talk about for a few minutes. Chapter 4, verse 1. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan. That is, so it's taken us back to his baptism and those words in the baptism. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days. That's different than the other two synoptic gospels, than Matthew and Mark. They say the Spirit led him or drove him into the wilderness. Luke seems to be saying Jesus was in the wilderness, he was filled with the Spirit, and that whole time in the wilderness, he was led by the Spirit, being tempted by the devil. Full of the Holy Spirit, led by the Spirit, being tempted by the devil. Does that... You can be filled with the Spirit. You can be being led by the Spirit and be tempted by the devil. Jesus was a human being. We follow Jesus. He gives us the way. The fact that you may experience temptation does not necessarily mean you're totally blowing it or you're not filled with the Spirit, or you're not being led by the Spirit. So here's the provocative thing I want to say today, and I'd love to talk to anyone for whom this might be upsetting. I want to suggest that Lent is a time that God leads us into in order that we might be tempted. Now, I know in a few minutes we're going to pray something, lead us not into temptation, right? And we need to think through what that means, and I promise you, I'm not going to do that today. But it cannot mean what we often think it means after I share with you some other scriptures. So, 
We're following Jesus. That's what Lent's about, following Jesus for 40 days in the wilderness in order to get closer to him, in order to know God's love more fully and all, all of that stuff. Um, this word, temptation or tempt in the verb form, is used in many different ways. And it's sometimes used literally of what God does with us. So, that verse where Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone, that comes from Deuteronomy 8, a beautiful rehearsal um, of what God did and what God was doing in the wilderness. In the Greek version of the Old Testament, this word is about God. Listen. You shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you, same word, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna that you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that humans don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. God doesn't tempt us in order to bring us down and make us sin and separate us from him. But God does allow us to be tempted for a reason. James writes, some of you know this verse, like it's the first real verse in the book of James after the like, dear people to whom I'm writing. He says, count it all joy, brothers and sisters, when you face various trials or temptations or tests. Because don't you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness? And the end of that is where you want to go, the, the end of that process. What, what am I trying to say? What? I, we get so obsessed with the surface issues of temptation and sin. And rightly so. God doesn't want us to sin. God doesn't want us to hurt one another, undermine ourselves, or, you know, not trust him. No. But I, I want to say carefully that God cares more about your heart than if you say that or eat that or do that. And if in this season of temptation, you do that, say that, or eat that, that's, that's really not God's most important thing. He tests us to know what is in our heart in order to bring us back closer into belonging 
belovedness and delight. The point is not, you know, to suck it up and be as strong as you can and never do anything wrong. That is not the point. That is exactly what evil would want for you. And then to use it against your own heart to separate you from yourself, from others, and from God. Does this make sense? When we pray, lead us not into temptation, what we're praying is, lead us, lead, don't let me go into the kind of temptation that's going to lead me where the devil wants to take me. May it lead me into the kind of testing that will draw me closer to you, strengthen my heart, reveal where I'm trusting in all sorts of other things besides your love. And I could, we could look at other scriptures. I don't have time. Jesus came to bring deliverance from all that oppresses us, from all that enslaves us in our hearts and minds. Just read the next section of Luke. Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to bring good news to the poor, liberty to the captives, sight to the blind. That's what he came for. And he came to engage it in the most intimate, personal, individual way for the most cosmic ramifications. May we, as we enter our Lenten journey, find that we still belong, we are still beloved, we are still a delight, no matter how much we blow it. God is after your heart to heal you and me and to make us effective and fruitful partners with him as he continues to heal the world. Amen. Thanks be to God.